This week's episode of Tax Season is brought to you by Bevel. The Bevel shaving system is dermatologist approved and proven to reduce and prevent razor bumps. Stop playing yourself. Start respecting your skin. We're sick of the bumpy faces trying to hide under Snapchat filters, okay? Don't get got. Keep your look right and your skin smooth by using a Bevel today. You can get the first month of your new Bevel subscription for free by going to getbevel.com slash tax season right now. That's G-E-T-B-E-V-E-L dot com slash tax season. Be safe, though. Shout out to you and Athletics for always supporting the tax season brand. Right now, I'm a little tipsy, but one thing I know about you motherfuckers is y'all need some sneakers. So make sure you go to youandathletics.com and get your new colorways. That's youandathletics.com. Tax 15. Tax 15 is a motherfucking code and go get some Ewans. Be safe, though. Say hello to the bad guy, tax season. I'm back again another week. Um, The cops didn't kill me. Um... I'm out here just um, doing pull-ups, push-ups, still listening to Solange album and Tranquility, right. you know, while lighting incense here and there. <laughs> um, I got a legend in the building, beloved. Black Thought. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Black motherfucking <laughs> Thought, man. Black Thought is in the motherfucking building motherfuckers i don't know if y'all know who black thought is but you need to find out and you're gonna find out right now motherfucker black thought is one of the most successful black people alive (laughs) (laughs) yo yo black thought was good man ain't shit to it man i'm out here when are we getting the album man when um, when it depends what what kind of album you talking about you you Solo album, Black Man, Thought. I got a bunch of shit in the works. You know what I'm saying? I got a joint. Um, me and Knife Wonder went in on a, on a record over mm-hmm. the past year. We about like nine or ten songs deep. Um, so, yeah, that's that's going to come out at some point. I don't know when. But, you know, sooner than later. We put out the one joint with me and Styles P. Um, yeah, maybe like six months ago, something like that. But mm-hmm. um, that joint called uh, Making a Murderer. So we put that out. Oh yeah, I did, yeah, I did hear that. Yeah, yeah, I'm bugging. Yeah, so that's off the shit with me and Knife. Mm-hmm. Then I got a joint, um, me and Royce the Five Nine. We've been working on a record together called mm-hmm. uh, Black and Nickel, and um, we like four songs in on that. You know what I mean, just doing it. You know what I'm saying, meantime, in between time, um, we in the studio right now on a new Roots album called Endgame. Mm-hmm. That uh, you know, was probably coming out you know sooner than you know everything, just because that shit kind of takes precedence to keep the brand moving. Mm-hmm. And um, shit, Friday, we just dropped the the, the Hamilton mixtape. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So, you know, the Hamilton mixtape, but we executive produced it. Um, and uh, I'm on like three or four songs on there. How does it feel being one of the best rappers alive? Man, look. I'm Do you just, know? I mean, you, I mean, yeah, yeah, pretty much. You know what I'm saying? But it, it depends on, you know, like, like by whose standards. You know what I'm saying? What but, you mean? I mean, it's a lot of people that don't know, you know what I mean? But as far Cause as... Because they ain't here. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. I mean, well, it's like people who... Everybody whose opinion I give a fuck about, mm-hmm. they they know what it is, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, it's an honor. It's a blessing. And, you know, I feel like it's something that, um, you know, you need to approach and deal with in, 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 in modesty and, and with much humility. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Even though that's kind of contrary to what... 
rap is supposed to be about. It's about that braggadocio and, you know, I'm the best and all that. I say that shit for the records, and I just let, I, I let, I let the work speak for itself, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Have you ever, like, wanted to fight yourself after you wrote a ball because <laughs> it was so hard? <laughs> Cause that shit you that that freestyle you did on the on the, at the Harvard um what was it called oh yeah yeah Harvard at the at the uh, innovation lab yeah, yeah I like really ain't like heard you rapping so long that shit just brought me back to like, I was like oh my Jesus like cause it, you know you don't you don't you don't get that you know right, what I mean right. you don't get that no more and like you just you your words always was like the most fluent like your your pronunciation was <laughs> like. <laughs> Like you majored in like English, like like Frederick Douglass raised you. <laughs> yeah, that was my shit though, man. English English literature, you know what I'm saying? Creative writing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's 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 what I come up in. So I always implemented that into into my work ethic. And um yeah, I, I don't know, man, it's a blessing, man. Who 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 is Tariq Trotter, man? Um Tariq Trotter is uh you know, uh World, a world class uh, MC, first and foremost. Um, you know, uh, South Philly. Um, you know, I rep, I rep the legendary Roots Crew. Uh, I've always been kind of a an, an introvert. Like I never really was about, you know, making it about me. So I always kind of fell back. You know what I mean? I never was into doing, you know, a lot of press, taking a lot of pictures. You know, like letting everybody know what I'm working with. You know what I'm saying? Where I be at? Like I always been kind of. I, I play the cut, so that's why when, when people think the roots, they think the drummer. You know what I'm saying? He's he's extroverted. You know what I mean? Questlove, he like the he he likes to live out loud, and that's just not how I came up. I came up, you know, <clears throat> with with the blinds and the curtains closed, and mm-hmm. you know, like keeping everything close to the to the chest. You know what I mean? So that's 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 how I roll. I don't roll with no entourage, no crew. You know. One, one man by myself. That's, that's definitely how you arrived today. Absolutely. One man was. What kind of fur is that you had on? It? Will Peter attack you when you leave here? I mean, they better not. I mean, now that they know what's good. <laughs> by the way, we're enjoying fine cognacs. Yes, sir. <laughs> Shout out to Duce. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yo, talk about growing up in Philly in the seventies and. Man, for me, you know, growing up. Um, I mean, it was it was hard, but I wouldn't I wouldn't change it for 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 anything, mm-hmm. because like coming up, having to pay them dues instilled in me, you know, just it, a certain type of work ethic. You know what I'm saying? As far as just always wanting to be ahead of the game and wanting to be, you know, ten steps ahead of the competition. You know what I mean? I uh, I got my first job when I was in like second grade, and I, I've I've never not been gainfully employed ever since then even when second, i didn't have second grade second grade what's that age I mean, seven something like that yeah about seven years old yep and what was your first job um i started running like i used to wear glasses i started wearing glasses when i was about six and um they would get broken all the time you know fucking around in school and you know this was the 70s when you know parents would let your kids walk to school like my mom she worked at a, at a, at a hotel so she would be at work all day. Sometimes, if I was lucky, she would drop me off. If it was ice cold outside, snow and shit, then she would drop me off at school. But, you know, I would, she would send me off on, on my way. I would walk that little, I don't know, mile and a half, two miles to school. 
Mm. And, um, you know, it was I had a couple stops of little classmates that I would stop and pick up and we would walk to school together. And then walking back home from school on my way home, it was uh, it was an eyeglass shop, the place that my glasses actually came from. And I would stop there and, and you know, try to kick it to them to fix my to fix my joints for free. So I don't get in trouble like y'all broke my shits again. You know, was there any way y'all could tighten these up or, you know, replace the lens for me or whatever, whatever. And um, they, after a while, they start asking me, like, damn, like, you know, where you on your way to? You know what I mean? Like, I'm on my way back to the crib. Um, is it anybody at home? You know what I mean? Questions that, it's weird. You know, right now, in this day and time, they probably come off as a creep. And it's like, you know, you don't really got no business prying into nobody kids, you know, life like that. But I was a latchkey child back then. You know, kids, mm-hmm. we used to roll around with the door key on a shoestring, and you get in the house, and you lock the door, and you're not supposed to let nobody in. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. So, uh-huh. yeah. so um, I mean, they knew that. I would get out of school like 2.45, 3 o'clock. My mom didn't get home till 5, so they offered, you know, to take up some of that time so I wouldn't be home by myself. Like, yo, come around here, help us clean up, run some errands, whatever, go get coffee, and, um, you know, and we'll fix your glasses for free. So that went from, you know, running errands to cleaning up, uh, you know, in the in the shop to cleaning the equipment to learning how to operate the equipment. All types of shit you're not supposed to let a second grader do, they let me do. And um and I feel like I'm a better I was a better person for it, you know what I'm saying? It was it was a blessing in disguise to be able to um, you know, to to have a job. I tell my kids now, you know, I got six kids. I tell my kids now like, "Yo, you know, I had a job since I was in second grade. They laugh it off like uh, they think I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when yeah. you say it, it sounds like that story where somebody always try to sound like they worked yeah, harder yeah. than you. Like, exactly, I had a job right? since Yeah, I used I to walk three. with no legs. Yeah. Like, nah, like, real talk. You know what I'm saying? I could take you to the place yeah. right there on Stanton Avenue in Philly, um, up in Mount Airy. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, uh, that's where I started working. And, you know, from that... Like that, that I used to be able to buy my own, you know, sneakers. Uh, art. I was always an artist. I could buy my own art supplies if I want to go to the movies or, you know what I mean, go see a little girl and you know, take a bag of potato chips or whatever. I could do all that on my own mm-hmm. without having to ask for permission. I mean, you still have to get permission, but I wouldn't have to ask for no bread yeah. from my mom who was struggling at the time, you know what I'm saying? Um, I got an older brother who's probably like nine years older than me. He always been in the system from... Uh, age 12 or 13 or so, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? He'd been, you know, juvenile homes and all that, and he wasn't really around living with us. My pop got uh, hit up, you know, when I was about a year old. So you know, both my parents are actually murder victims. I lost yeah. my dad when, when I was one, and my mom's uh, was murdered when I was in uh, 10th or 11th grade. Wow. So, you know, it, it just instilled a certain type of independence in me. Where, uh, you know, I was able to kind of do for self and, you know, figure it out. You know I mean, at times where I didn't have a, a paycheck, <clears throat> I would go out. I'd go door to door. You know what I mean? Do some type of hustle. I would, you know, clean your basement, your backyard, scrub the walls, you know, clean you know, what we call the payment. You know what I mean? Y- y'all call it the stoop or some shit. Like cleaning people's steps with yeah. bleach. And, you know, I would do whatever I had to do to get $10, 20 $30. You know what I mean? I was a paper boy. I did all that shit. You name the job, yeah, I, I did it. You was just a natural born hustler. Yeah, yeah. You understood absolutely. that you had to stay busy in order to stay fast. A- absolutely, absolutely. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Because, you know, I mean, it was it was in times, it was occasions where I didn't have. And, um, you know, my mama sent me to my aunt crib with a note, you know what I'm saying? Let us get some of that block of cheese and, you know what I mean? Like, let us send us a little, like, you know, we fucked up right now. And I, I didn't like that feeling, so I always wanted to have a, little, a couple dollars. You know what I mean? 
Do you ever do you do you ever get affected to this day behind your mother's murder or your parents? Do you think about it? Um, I definitely think about it sometimes. I mean, I, you know, I didn't really know my dad that well because mm-hmm. you know we was only together for you know a year and some change. But um, yeah, I mean, I always I, sometimes I wonder what if. You know what I mean? Like my mom, I lost my mom right at the beginning of. I guess we we started the roots when I was in ninth or tenth grade, mm-hmm. and then about a year or so later is when she got murdered. So she never really got to see, you know, mm-hmm. us start popping and everything come to fruition. And uh, you know, I, I take care of so many people in my life, friends, family. You know what I'm saying? Uh, my kids and. It's about 40, 50 people. I wouldn't say on my payroll, but, you know, yeah. that I got to look out for the cookout because I'm, 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 I'm the one that, that, that has it. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I wish I was able to, you know, to take care of my moms in that way. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, to you know, people get on, they buy their moms a car in the, in the crib and all that. You know, that's that shit that I miss because, you know, my, my mom, she's not here. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I think about it in that way. But, I mean, I never really been all – I never dwelt on it and, and, and was all broken up about it. Um, if anything, it was more uh, of a motivator for me. You know what I mean? Like, yo, you really got to, you know, get out here and, and, and do this shit now. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? The obstacles growing up in um, Philadelphia, even though even though you, you worked all the time, yeah. how did you deal with those obstacles? Um, I mean, you know, sometimes I fed into that shit. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, like, crack era... Early 80s, mid 80s, when crack was popping, I mean, it was popping. Like, you know, we, whether I, I mean, I had a job, but it still, it wasn't cool for me to have a job. It was cool, you know, it was cool for me to be out on the corner, you know what I mean, selling on the crate, crack. you know what I mean, selling crack. <laughs> it's like, that's, you know, how you, you want to get the girls, the girls, they fucking with, you know what I mean, dude, they got that pack. Mm-hmm. And it's like, young boys who I knew that, you know what I mean, was little dirt balls. You know what I mean? When they was 10, 11, 12, they get 13, 14, they riding in BMs. And, you know what I'm saying? Like the, the meteoric rise of the crack dealer from you, from broke to, 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 you know, relative hood wealth was, it, it was a short amount of time. You know what I mean? So um, I was one of those people, I, w- I would go work my job and then come and try to make it look like the money that I got from making my you know, from working I, I I made selling drugs, you know what I'm saying? I was just, I was horrible at selling drugs. Like, yeah. I was I was the worst crack dealer out there, man. You know, and um at the time, like my mom's, you know, she was using, and she was out there in the same streets that I was in, and she would come to me like, yo, like this shit ain't for you, you know what I'm saying? Like word on the street is like it's sweet, like go fuck with you, cause you know what I mean? Like you, it's it's easy to switch up on you, you know what I mean, and stuff like that. So, um, at the end of the day. It's shit that we do, you know, like for acceptance. Yeah. And I did the shit, and, and I was accepted. And like, luckily enough for me, I had a you know, an uncle who came and pulled me off the corner at one point, and um, sent me out to Detroit. Uh, at this point in time, Detroit was the murder capital, and you know, crack was popping out there too. But I had an uncle; he lived in the suburbs. It was my father's oldest brother, who I never met, and um, it was just like. Uh, a step back away from Philly that I that I really needed, you know what I mean, like to to get my head together. And then I came back, and um and me and Quest, you know, we just started going real super hard with the with the music, you know. You grew up, you're Muslim. Did you grow up Muslim? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your whole life? Yeah, I grew up in the in, in in Islamic household. Um, like my pop, you know, he was real active in the in in the Muslim community in Philly, and um, but you know that's the it's. 
it's weird. In the 70s, you know, all, all the Muslim brothers in Philly, especially from a couple specific uh, masjids, they was about, you know, that street life too. So it was like, you know, if you if you look into the Philly black mafia in the 60s and 70s, they was, you know, 90% of them was Muslims. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, they was also, you know, hustling and, and getting it in Philly and in Chicago and in Detroit. And, you know, um, so, I mean, that that eventually was, was what was my father's demise as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, it was definitely a, a, a lesson learned, you know what I mean? But um, that being said, I grew up in an Islamic household that, my mom would send me to my grandmother's crib over the weekend, and my grandmother was a devout uh, Christian. Mm-hmm. So I also grew up in, in the church because going to my grandmother's church was a, a chance for me to get off the block and a chance to, you know, they had activities and, you know, they went on trips and all types of shit that, you know, I, I, I wasn't getting at home and I wasn't getting from the Muslim community. Mm-hmm. But I was never allowed to uh, to be baptized. Or, like, my mom, she used to send me to all that shit and be like, you know, I know you're going, you know, do this Christian shit. And, you know, they sing, they got you on the choir and woo-woo. Don't get spooked. She would always say, don't get spooked. You know what I mean? Because um, cause of the way that she was brought up. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? On some, like, uh, God-fearing, holy roller. You know what I mean? So uh, the education that I got from my mom was always real uh, based in, in reality, you know? You know, it ain't no, it ain't no Santa Claus, ain't no Easter Bunny. This shit, like we work hard for this shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, this yeah. Just came from me. Let this be yeah, clear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You do you feel those those uh, the certain principles in Islam are the way you, are the reason you you became who you are today? Um, I mean, I just feel like a certain discipline. You know what I mean? Um, you know, from always working, and um, it, it's definitely a certain uh, a street smart. You know what I'm saying? And, and awareness of, of my surroundings that I feel um, came from being in Philadelphia and being in the Islamic uh, community at that at that point in time. You know what I'm saying? Things mm-hmm. change. Every Everything is different now. But I, I definitely feel like, um, I mean, I value the experience that I got at that point in time because, uh, you know, it's invaluable lessons. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's real. Rapping. Yeah. When did you say... I'm going to rap. I started rapping when I was like nine years old. Mm. That's when I wrote. Uh, is rapping a Philly thing? Um, I mean, rapping <laughs> is a New York thing, but you know, like. No, I'm, when I say a Philly thing, because I always tell motherfuckers, I be looking at rap sometimes like a world war. Well, so I be like, yo, if you're going to go to war, right? Yeah, yeah. Who you going to go get? Now, I'm from New York. I'm from Brooklyn. But something in me be saying, go get the Philly niggas. Yo, Philly, we always been we always been hungry. You know what I mean? And um it's always been I mean, it's 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 a friendly competition. But, you know, like it, it was this song out back in the day called It Ain't New York because Philly stepping in, you know, and um that kind of summed summed it up for me in that uh, we we're well aware that, you know, hip hop came from the Bronx. Mm-hmm. And and you know it was it was a New York thing. You know, in the eighties it was about you know Bronx and Manhattan and, and Brooklyn and all that. But mm-hmm. so because of that, like we had to be you know doubly as dope. Like we had to be you know twice as good, and we had to be you know just that much more on point. So um, it's always uh, just a it's been a different level of thirst. You know what I'm saying for for supremacy. In, in, in the Philadelphia MC, as well as in the Philadelphia DJ, the Philadelphia barber. You know what I mean? It's always been, it's not, I mean, like, we're, we're, I feel like we're sister cities. 
but it's always just been a friendly, you know, competition. Like, um, it's weird. And even you could go to Philly and, and then like the, the little, the boroughs, like the outer boroughs, the places that ain't really Philly, like Camden, New Jersey and, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, parts of, parts of Chester PA and like on the outskirts, they more thugged out than people in Philly. Cause they feel like they got a little bit more to prove. They got to prove themselves. Yeah. They're so small town. Yeah. So uh, with Philly MCs, it, it was a little bit of that same sort of thing. Like we had something to prove to, to New Yorkers. I mean, like to take us like, we not no, we not no joke. You know what I mean? So yeah, I started rhyming when I was like nine, and um, like my first show that I did was a talent show. I was in, I think I was in like third or fourth grade, and uh, we had a, a crew called the Crash Crew, and it was me, a couple MCs, a couple dudes that you know was break dancers and graffiti niggas and all that. And the MCs was me, my man Walik, who was in the same grade as me, and Beans, who was a uh, you know, younger than us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, I was gonna ask you about that because Bean said you was his writing partner. Growing yeah, up. yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know I'm saying like my my first my first group experience was with me, Beans, and my man Wally. Mm. And um and then later later in life, you know, when Beans, you know, when we was all, all grown and the Roots had a record deal and Beans was trying to get on, um you know he used to run with my partner Malik B. You know, because we all from South Philly. We all from the same little, you know, it's a, a miniature bubble. It's like such a small blip yeah. on, the, on the map when you think about the larger scheme of things. You know what I'm saying? But even within that, you will have, you know, it's like L.A. on some this block versus that block. You know what I mean? And and, and you, you cross this, you cross the tracks and, and it's on. And, you know what I mean? These dudes killing these dudes. And we all live in the same little little square. But, um... Yeah, like we 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 all come up together. You know what I'm saying? Motherfucking roots. Y'all motherfuckers broke down so many like y'all did a lot. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. We you know. Y'all really like a legend. You you know that, right? Yeah, yeah. You know that, we, right? That's why we call the legendary roots crew. The legendary right? you know roots like, crew. That's, that's the name of the band. You know that you know why that's fly because a lot of people don't like to call themselves a legend while they're alive. They like to call people legends once they die yeah, I'm like yeah. why you can't be a living legend like yeah yeah give me my shit now yeah I feel like you could be a legend until you fuck it up mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. what I mean cause mm-hmm. you could fuck your legend don't 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 fuck your um your, fuck up your, your legacy yeah don't don't catch legenditis <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's real shit nah real shit though so yeah, cause on some real shit I'm just sitting here thinking over the years and I'm like god damn yo the Roots has yeah. done so fucking much. Like, has the Roots ever gotten a beef? Like, have you ever been mad at each other? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, like, um, it's been a lot of beefs, but, you know, we beef the way that, that brothers beef, mm-hmm. in the way that, you know, family members beef. It's uh, And we never put any of that shit over, over the brand or, or over that bag, you know what I mean? Exactly. So, you know, it's always been about business first. And you know whatever needs to be aired out, we can still air that shit out. We always been real uh, aggressive, like with the comp, you know verbal confrontations. And I mean, sometimes the shit get physical, but you know um, we never pull no punches. And shit, if something needs to be worked out, we work it out and, and try to move forward. It's been members of the band, you know, who haven't been able to move forward from shit, and um, and, and they decided not not to rock with us no more. And, you know, yeah, that's, yeah, that's I've, I know over the years that it's yeah. been, you know. Yeah, it's definitely. I'm like, it's, oh, it's, he's gone. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, a, a bit of a, a revolving door. But I think that's all bands and yeah. groups, is especially once it's like, especially more than 
three people, yeah, let yeah. alone two people. You know, with relationships, all lives matter. Envy just looked in here. <laughs> Shout out to DJ Envy and his wife Cassie. They got a good podcast. It's decent. I listen to it. I don't really support light skinned people, so you know I'm telling the <laughs> truth. But um, <laughs> what I would say it again. Um, I forgot what the fuck I was saying because no, just about about face in here. about groups about you know what I'm saying. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the just more, the more people that come in. Yeah, the more people. Good. You know, relationships alone, one on one, woman, man, hard. man, it's it, that's hard to keep for a long time. So yeah. once it's two, three, four different egos, different yeah. types of emotions you got to deal with. Yeah. You could deal with this, but you can't deal with that. He could deal with this, but can't deal with that. It's always going to be an issue. Very much so. I just made a statement where I was like, yo, the locks might be one of the the realest like, hip-hop groups because like, now it's just seeming like, you know, like I seen like a video with Cameron on Angie Martinez, and he was like, yo, Jim Jones not from Harlem. He was just a hype man. And I'm like, yo, you fucking my childhood up, beloved. Like, what are you doing? Like, we, yeah. we thought it was realer than this. Like, I got to reevaluate the lyrics now. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, yo, just to see Cruz stay, even, when it, even if it's not real, just to know that, you level-minded enough to do it for the business. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. yo, we, we got to... We did it for the business. We need each other. You know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, just like you said, I mean, a marriage between two people is harder than a motherfucker. Mm -hmm. Like, to maintain, you know, over any extended period of time. So, you know, a marriage between, you know, seven, eight people, I mean, that shit get crazy. You know, everybody feels entitled, you know, like to, to certain things. And there's a lot of egos, a lot of different personalities. Uh, before you get on, you live in the close quarters. You know what I'm saying? You yeah. in, one, in one Jeep or one van or one bus or, you know. Somebody breath yeah, yeah, yeah. Ten, pe ten people much. between two <laughs> hotel rooms or whatever. You know what I mean? Who, yeah. get, who get the mattress? Who get the floor? It's a, it's a bunch of shit. But, you know what I'm saying? You able to rise rise to the occasion and, and, and overcome all that uh, for the greater good if, if, if you got the vision. You know? Real shit. Motherfucking Black Thought is in the building. <laughs> yeah, y'all know I'm a fan of Black Thought. I've been talking about Black Thought probably since I got on Twitter because a lot of y'all niggas is like, um, it's like 14 or some shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. Don't be no, like, I had Beans on the show, and like, Beans, like, you know, Beans was like really out there, like on a rapper commercial level, standing next to Jay Z every day. And almost a hundred and something people sent me tweets like, Thank you so much for introducing me to Beanie Siegel. That's crazy. And I felt like the old hip-hop nigga. Because I be always talking about the old hip-hop heads. It's like, yeah. yo, man, lighten up, man. Shit changed. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. I was like, nigga, what? How the <laughs> fuck you don't know Beanie Siegel? So it's, it's, just so it's just so funny now. Like, do you feel you underrated as a rapper? I mean, not really because... I mean, so many people say I'm underrated. If you, if everybody say you underrated, then yeah, I mean, it's like my my rating is official. It's nobody mm. that who I who I you know care. It's nobody that I even think matters that doesn't recognize me as you know an OG, and 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 you know who think. I mean, don't nobody think I'm you know a toy or nothing. So I mean, that that is what it is. And shit. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> It's like, just like I said, man, I let, I let the, the, the the work speak for itself. Don't nobody think I'm a toy, huh? Yeah. Real shit. You know, it's a lot of people that, 
you know, they're like, yo, how come you never been on a song with this person or that person? And it's like, you know, like, everybody ain't want to fight Tyson. You know what I'm saying? Mm. It's like, just on some real shit. Um, not every rapper is, is secure enough in, in who they are and in, in, in their ability to, to, to share the spotlight with, with, you know what I'm saying, every MC mm. or with MCs of a certain caliber. You know, so, I mean, I'm able to accept that, too. I take it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because I don't know. It ain't too many motherfuckers, like... You know, I sat there one day. I think a lot, you know what I mean? And I, I like rap, you know. I'm a fan of hip-hop. Like, this is a comedy podcast, by the way. But I always end up with a rap on here somehow, you know what I mean? But I'm a, I'm a fan of hip-hop, and I'm a fan of I'm a fan of real lyrics. And a lot of people don't know it because they see me promoting the young kids now. But it's like, nigga, what the fuck am I going to do? That's not how they rapping. Right, right. If that's not how they rapping, what the fuck am I going to do? Abandon the shit completely? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but truthfully, I don't listen to you little niggas, you know what I mean? But, um, <laughs> not to hurt nobody's feelings, shout out to the record labels, um, shout out to mm-hmm. Atlantic Records, um, Def Jam, uh, shout out to Epic, shout out to yeah, all, all that, you, shout out to all you young niggas on opiates, you know what I mean? Yeah. All them niggas on dope, every yeah. single one of them. I don't even know a little nigga that ain't on dope right now. As soon as I be thinking I found one, nigga just pop up like, nah, you know, I just popped the perk. <laughs> it's like, now, I mean, it's like that shit come with the territory. They Yo, but like, is that some Pennsylvania shit? That's some Philly shit. That's some yeah, Philly syrup, shit, right? Syrup and pills. I keep Philly telling, shit. nigga, I used to hustle in Allentown yeah. and shit. I'm yeah. telling niggas, I'm like my nigga, because I, I used that shit too at one time. Like, I don't lie, like, about, I tell niggas, like, yeah. nigga, I was on it because the, I was, it was boring. I was in a trap. Girls yeah. was using it. They like, yeah, use this. I was all using. They like, oh, you got the perk dick, all types of dumb shit. Yeah. But you know what I mean? I stopped fast because I'm a nigga that could, I could peep shit fast on body change. My yeah. body change, and I ain't with it. I'm like, no. Yeah, yeah. We're not with this. I stopped shitting. I got a very. Yeah, um, you be constipated. Yeah, you be shit. constipated like a yeah, motherfucker. Yeah. That's what the yo young niggas be mad at me too. When I start breaking <laughs> down their symptoms, I'd be like, yeah, because right now you going through this and you going through that. He like, <laughs> what? I'm like, yeah, nigga. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah that's it's, it's that's some PA, some, some Philly shit, shit, right? Yeah, drinking it straight. That's some that's some Philly shit. And then mixing it with the with the candy and the sodas and all that. You know what I'm saying? That's when it, you know, that was down south and, and you know Texas and all that. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, Philly like sir, they used to call it water. You know what I'm saying? For, for years. And um, you know, I mean, I done seen, I done seen it fuck people up firsthand. I seen it, you know, as a, as a gateway drug. You know what I mean? To people start snorting heroin and banging shit between their toes and all that. You know what I mean? But um, there, it was, it's, you know, it's a, it's not like, oh, I'm proud. Like, yeah, that's that's no, no, yeah, 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 yeah. We we came out with <laughs> yeah, that. We yeah, we do this. Mean? Yeah, we, we, I hit it we first. We pioneered this. Nah, nah, yo, but nah, it's, nah, it's, nah, real it's shit. Real I thing. always, yeah. I've said it, but you know, everything I say. You know, I don't think people completely believe it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I've been said it. I was like, yo, listen, as far as I know, that's some, like, real Philly shit. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Like, I was towns away. That's the whole state was doing. Anywhere I went, yeah. motherfuckers was. And I'm not just talking about drink. I'm talking about every pill. All of that, yeah. All prescription pills, yeah. Paxils, Valiums. It's this, it's this street in Philly, in North Philly, right around Temple University called Jefferson, right, Jefferson Street, and, mm-hmm. and they call it J Street. So J Street was like an open-air pharmacy. You know what I mean? All the crooked doctors, you know what I mean, used to have shit on the street and used to be able to go and cop 
anything, anything. You know what I'm saying? Any script, all that shit. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Script. That's how you know Quest Love is still in the street. Yeah, yeah. Bon Percocets from Philly. <laughs> <laughs> he said script. Jesus Christ. Uh, Shout out to all my niggas selling pills out there trying to survive <laughs> and um feed their kids and, and get Puerto Rican women pregnant. I see y'all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This week's episode of Tax Season is brought to you by Viceland. Late night TV just got darker. Jesus Nice and the Kid Mero have landed their own late night TV show on Viceland. The new TV channel from Vice is called Jesus and Mero. Late nights at 11 p.m. You might know these guys from the Bodegas Boys podcast. You might know these guys from Twitter. You might even know these guys from the Bronx. But apparently, Twitter niggas from the Bronx can get a TV show too. God bless on the come up. This isn't typical late night TV show. No white guys named Jimmy. No A-list celebrities selling a new movie. No scripted jokes. No band. Just two guys from the Bronx giving you a take on the culture, politics, sports, entertainment, and other subjects they don't really know anything about. Watch Jesus Samero on TV on Viceland every Monday through Thursday night at 11 p.m. Make sure you tune in because Merrill has mad kids to feed. Jesus has mad sneakers to buy. Other late night shows are corny and they're just funny. Go to Viceland.com to find your channel and check out some free episodes. The brand is strong. How did you meet Quest Love? Yo, we met um, in high school. I, like I went to, uh, I was always uh, an artist, like a graffiti artist, mm-hmm. and um, you know, like that took me to first. I wound up getting, like, the first time I got locked up was when I was, like, 12 years old, and it was from writing graffiti. And, um, you know, I wound up getting uh, uh, 150 hours of scrub time. That's that's what I was sentenced mm. to once I uh, I saw the judge. And they sent, they sent me to this program called the Anti-Graffiti Network, where all it is, it was like a heaven for graffiti writers because it was, you get to interact with all your idols. Mm. Niggas who wrote shit, you don't even know who wrote what. You couldn't place a face with the name. Now y'all all there, you know, in one one room and at, at, at one time and, you know, we exchanging uh, sketchbooks and shit. Then we all get in the van and we go and we scrubbing and painting the walls and all that. And then at night we come back and we bomb that shit up. You know what I'm saying? We used to snatch, uh, you know, keys off the off the, the the subway workers and had the keys and all through the tunnels, all in the you know. We was about that beat street, that you beat street wild style type of life, mm. you know. Um, so that you know took me to where uh, I wasn't trying to you know keep getting locked up for writing graffiti. So I really started taking the the art shit seriously around 12, 13, and you know thinking about what high school I was going to go to. And um, I had a cousin who was a a dance major at Kappa, the School for Creative and Performing Arts. So um, I went on a couple auditions. I auditioned for Kappa and two other high schools like Kappa, and I wound up getting into all of them. And I went to Kappa because that's the one that was in South Philly. Yeah, you just so, some talented motherfucker. So like, yeah, that was a school that I, you know, I could walk to. You know what I mean? It was actually in a building that, uh, like, at the time, they shared a building with a middle school called Joe Palumbo, the Palumbo Middle School. And a lot of the students... From Kappa, I used to get stuck up, get their chains, earrings snatched, and all that shit. But I was good because it, it was right across the street from a project called Martin Luther King Homes. But, um, I mean, I was good because um, I was from South Philly. So it was a lot of them dudes, you know what I mean? Like, I knew them or, you know, I knew of them or I, they, they knew my cousins and it was it was whatever. It's like if, if something go down, 
uh, at the school, it'd be a matter of minutes before I'm back with people. Like, I was from 7th Street, and I was from 23rd Street. This was 13th Street. Again, a small little area, but, you know, if you're not beat, if those those blocks ain't beefing, then, you know, uh, it ain't broke, so why fix it? So, like, I, I kind of had a pass. You know, but um, I mean, I saw I used to see people getting stuck up every day. People used to get robbed in in the school. It was like East Side High a little bit. You know what I'm saying? That middle school. But at the same time, in the hallways, you had Boys to Men. It was they like they was forming a group? It was a, a group called Unique Attraction, and they broke up and they start they started they yo we gonna do this Boys to Men shit, and, and they started you know getting their shit together. We had a Mel Larue, um, out there in Capo. We had um, uh, the Arguably the world's greatest bassist, uh, Christian McBride. We had uh, Joey DeFrancesco, who's a, a jazz pianist, who was like 14, 15. He would get out of school and a limo pick him up. He'd go play with Miles Davis. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, I was seeing all that, and uh, it was just intriguing to me. So I used to actually cut some of my classes to go and sit in the music classes because I was an art major. So um, I would go to the dance classes to watch the girls in the leotards, and then I would go and sit in and, and watch Questlove and all them, you know, like playing their playing their music. So the day that Questlove and I met, um, I don't know if it was the day I was getting suspended or coming back from a suspension, because I got caught um, having sex on the roof of the school with, you know, my girlfriend at the time, who was a dance major. So we got caught, and I got suspended, and I was in the office. <laughs> I was in the office, and and Questlove he he walked in. Now he had on um. He had a, a a jacket, like a jean jacket that was uh, airbrushed or either hand-painted, um, you know, with all these crazy colors, like a peace sign or some shit on it. He had a, a necklace that had, like, a black fist on it. Mm-hmm. And he had the, you know, the, the I think I think he might have had a pick in his head, but he used to wear, like, he would argue you down and say it wasn't a curl, but I think he had a curl <laughs> at the time. So, I, like, I was, I was, like, checking him out because one of my hustles, as an art major was, I used to sell the the stopwatches, like the shits that Flav used to wear. I used to take them and break them down. Oh, yeah, stop shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. I used to break them down and, like, mix and match the colors and, you know, create color combinations that you can't get in the store. I would sell them. I would um I would do molds, like, in my, in my uh, you know, sculpture and ceramics classes of little, you know, the fists or, like, you know, a little African Nefertiti head or some shit, put it on beads, and I would sell those. Mm. And um and I would do hand-painted jeans and stuff. So I see he came in with all that shit, and he didn't get it from me. So I'm like, where he get this shit from? Um, so, you know, we wound up having a conversation. He told me he got it from uh, his parents and that it was shit that, you know, they had since the 60s. And uh, his family was a band. At the end of the day, he was like a drummer in his, his family's band. It was like a black type of you know, Partridge family and some shit. And, um, you know, I, he was just dope. It was, you know, he, he started putting me on to, you know, soul music and jazz and, like, the origins, like, uh, all the music that hip-hop at the time was being sampled from. And I put him on with shit that his parents wouldn't, wouldn't let him listen to. I come in like, yo, N.W.A. tape. You know what I'm saying? Ultramagnetic MCs, you know, mm-hmm. fucking get on this public enemy shit. Big Daddy Kane, Coogee Rap, and, you know, we wind up... um you know, we we clicked up and decided to do a group. You know, what at what point did you realize? At what point exactly did you realize that the roots made it? Oh, man, it's weird. You know, like I've 
we we've had little little moments like you know we won our first Grammy 1999. It's like yo, you know, that's what me and Questlove. We always look at look at uh, one another, and uh, it's this shit that uh, Abbott Abbott and Costello used to do. I don't, you remember Abbott and Costello mm-hmm. shit? You know, he he a big dude. I'm a little dude. You know what I mean? We like Abbott and Costello. Like you know, we we would look at each other at certain points in our career, and it's always like. Well, Amir, well, Tariq, you know what I mean? Like, we, you know, we've arrived a little bit, but, you know what I mean, don't get gassed, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, definitely winning that first Grammy, that, that shit took me by a total surprise. I didn't expect to win. You know, we was up against, you know, everybody that was popping at, at the time that year, and, you know, we wanted to win. I was winning. supposed to win that shit, though. Man, like. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So, so, you know what I mean? We won that Grammy. That that was huge. Um, I mean, getting our record deal was huge, you know what I'm saying? It was a time when... um. In Philly, it was, it ain't nobody have a deal. Everybody was up and coming and and, and, and stayed that way. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, the the generation before us, the last generation that got on was, uh, you know, Steady B, Cool C, EST from Three Times Dope and RLM. And then it was, uh, you know, after that generation, it was um, it was a void. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Will Smith and Jazzy Jeff and them, like, they won, you know, their Grammys and they, you know, went on to mega stardom. Um, but it wasn't much happening in the city, per se, you know, like, where there was an outlet for, you know, for other rappers to kind of get on. So, um, you know, uh, we, we kind of seized the moment. And, uh, and I mean, I don't know. I guess it was a wise decision. But at the time, it felt like, you know, it might not have been the best move to to do the live instrumentation because that's, that wasn't what was popping. That wasn't the sound. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we wound up creating a little bit more barriers for ourselves. But what it did, you know, on the flip side was it, it kicked down doors uh, to places that wouldn't normally fuck with hip-hop. You know what I'm saying? There's places that would be like, yo, I, we don't do rap music. You know, hip-hop groups can't perform here. But, you mm-hmm. know, y'all could rock because we show up with an upright bass. And, you know what I mean? Scott Storch on the, on the piano and shit. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, so, um, I mean, I really, really felt like we arrived, like, recently, yo, like, um, yeah, yeah, I want to say, like, shit, 2010 or something like that, we went and did a show in, in Copenhagen, Denmark, and it was, um, it's at a festival called Ross Gilda, and this is a festival that we had played probably four or five times already in our career, but, uh, it's one of those events where the stages, multiple stages, stages are color-coded, uh, you got a specific credential, and if you want, you playing in this tent, you can't even get over here to this stage to see the main motherfuckers. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like you know you got to still stay out where the fans at. So we went from you know the outskirts on the tents where we couldn't get nowhere to uh, we came back in 2010 as um, you know uh, a headlining act on the Orange stage, which is like, you know, that's as high as you could go yeah. at that festival. And it was the Roots, and it was, uh, it was, um, uh, uh, um, Born in the USA and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, with the, with the E Street Band. What's, what's, what's the name of the lead singer? I don't know. This, I don't know them niggas. Bruce, it was Bruce Springsteen. Oh, shit, Bruce Springsteen. And, Shout out to Bruce Roots. Springsteen. So, I went out there, and, um, you know, we rocked and shit. We killed it. It was still daytime when we performed, but we, like, destroyed and, you know, Springsteen and them, they was on the side of the stage, like, watching us hit and shit. And then we got done. And um, Bruce Springsteen came to our dressing room. was like, yo, you know, y'all want to come out and rock with us? And I knew he was coming and asking if we wanted to rock with them because of how we just killed it. And they wanted, you know, some of that shit to spill over. Yeah. So I was like, yo, nigga, like, that was a real. Uh-huh. And I looked and shit, you know, to be like, yo, well, I'm here. But he had already left. He had to go to a different country and DJ. 
So when that moment, he wasn't even with us, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, we are we had already killed shit on stage. So we came back out and rocked with Bruce Springsteen, you know what I mean? Me and Kirk, you know, we was with Stevie Van Zant and we leaning into the same mic and Springsteen giving me his mic and you know, it was it was crazy. It was a moment. That's mm-hmm. when I really felt like, yo, you know, like it's on, you know what I'm saying? This is uh you know what I'm saying, like we we like we did it. But flip side to that, I came home the next day, I got locked up in JFK. You know what I'm saying? So that shit was just like a wake up call, like, yo, nigga, you know what I mean? You still yeah, a nigga. Yeah, you still a nigga. <laughs> well, like, Holy well, welcome shit. home. What the, what did they lock you up in JFK for? Man, like a disorderly conduct charge from like nineteen it was like nineteen years before like it was some real old shit from when I was in college out in PA. And um, something that I I went to court, I paid a fine for, mm-hmm. but it was before, you know, computers. And I guess they had lost record or some shit, and they, they still felt like it was a warrant floating out there. So I, I came home. telling these niggas. I was floating, nigga. I was on cloud nine. They let me, like, we got off the plane, and, and, and they ushered us through the ambassador's uh, entry. I ain't had to wait in line or nothing. I was like, yo, like, it's on. You can't rock with Springsteen and them. Can't do the ambassador, John. <laughs> everybody, you know, everybody left. Like, they in the baggage claim, and, you know, everybody going back to their respective cribs. And it's like, yo, what happened to Reek? Yeah, I was locked the fuck up. They was like, yo, fucking oh, Pens- PA wants you. Lancaster, Pennsylvania. They going to extradite for this dumbass, you know, disorderly conduct charge from, you know, your second year in college and shit. Yep. And that's what it was. they 3300 yeah. off of you. And I looked up, <laughs> nigga. I was in fucking Queens County. You know what I'm saying? And they, you know, flicking it up. And shit, yo, there you the nigga I'm fucking late night with Jimmy Fallon. You going to take this picture? Oh, you know what I'm saying? Shit. And I'm I'm in the cell and the, the fucking guards is outside the joint. You know what I'm saying? So that shit, it's always, um, you know, we, we, we I mean, it was, it, it was dope in a way because it, it was just a reminder, you know what I'm saying? You still in America, you know what I mean? And, and, and I just always try to maintain that humility and just not get gassed, you know what I'm saying? So, how did, how did you feel about, um, how do you feel about President Barack Obama's presidency? Um, I mean, I felt like it was, um, man. I mean, it was, it was, it's, 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 it's a watermark, you know, period for for the country and, and and for us as a people. And you know, I mean, no matter what people say about how you know the president really don't run shit. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, he's just a puppet on the string, and, you know, it's the Bilderberg. It's, you know what I mean? It's uh, it's it, some other secret society that really, you know, like runs the nation and, and runs the world. Um, I felt like the example that is set for, you know, not only for me, you know what I'm saying, somebody who came up, uh, you know, during the Ford, Carter, Reagan era, um, but for my kids, you know what I'm saying? A lot of my kids, all they've ever known was a black, president yeah, so i feel yeah. like the example that it sets for them as far as uh their their potential um has been priceless you know what mm-hmm. i'm saying like you, you can't put no price on that and um i mean it was dope just to to we've interacted with him all the way for the whole ride from you know when he from when he before he decided to run to when he was running to since he's been in office um, you know, we like, he's always like rock with the roots. We've always like flicked it up. He's always been like, yo, the roots is that real hip hop. He said it on numerous occasions, like, uh, we're basically his house band too, mm. you know? And, um, 
I mean, I, I don't feel like we we ever gonna have that again. I know we not we ain't gonna be Trump House band. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So um, it's just it's been a blessing. You know what I mean? I performed in the White House. Yeah. I'm going back, I'll be back in the White House in January for the for the last hurrah. Mm. And um, you know, it's just dope. Like for my kids, my my daughter, I got a ten year old daughter. Man, she been to the White House like. 10, 11 times. Mm. You know what I'm saying? She go there every Easter for the Easter egg roll and she, you know, she could give me a tour around the White House and point offices and show me like this is that and that. And, you know, um, never before in history was that was that a, a thing. So, you know, it's not something that I, that I take lightly. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I think it's dope. You know what I'm saying? He's, um, you know, Obama is, 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 is the epitome of, of cool and, uh, you know, he makes it seem effortless. Like, you know, with the way you people say I I rock and when I'm on the mic, it, it seemed like it's just, you know, it's nothing. The shit flow like water and it's effortless. But I know uh, on, on the flip side, it's a lot of work, a lot of research, and so yeah. much effort goes into it coming off as effortless. Exactly. You know I'm saying? It's the, the same applies with the president. You know, he's epitome of cool, and it seemed like, you know, it's not, He's not stressing about shit, but, you know, with so much that goes into that, you know what I'm saying, to to, to, to that appearance. And uh, it's just something that I, I appreciate, you know what I'm saying? I, I consider, I consider you know, Barack Obama a, a comrade and, and a fan. And, you know, as a matter of fact, another moment that I felt like, you know, we had arrived is I went back to Germantown High School, which is the high school that I graduated from in Philly, and we was opening for the president in my schoolyard and shit, you know what I mean? It's like... <laughs> President, vice president, you know, everybody, all state office holders in PA, like we all came back and, it, and it's like, you know, the, the roots is who they called on to hold them down. So, um, yeah, I don't really take that shit lightly, you know what I'm saying? And I feel like it's, it's it's been a gift that I've never had to bite my tongue. You know what I'm saying? I say a lot of shit that's, I don't know, like I, I said, I've said a lot of political shit over mm-hmm. the years and... That's never been held against me. It's never been like a situation where they want to go dig up some lyrics and try to, you know, like manipulate that shit. Like it meant something mm. bigger than it did, you know what I'm saying, to keep me from doing X, Y, and Z. I've always, you know, it's, it's just dope, man. I, I, I got that clearance and, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's so basically you Secret to. Service. I mean, <laughs> me, me and the Secret Service is good. Me and the Secret Service is good. So in a nutshell, the roots is Secret Service, yeah. Pretty pretty so. much. I mean we have been, but I mean that's all a rap. Has Quest Love ever hit you with a drumstick? <laughs> I mean not not intentionally. Not, not intentionally. Yeah, not not on purpose. Not on purpose. That's it. We had a little rough patch, man. We used to live in London mm-hmm. in like ninety four for almost a year. Like we lived in London and we it was about eight of us living in one uh flat, like one apartment, two bedrooms, you know what I'm saying, bathroom was all crazy, no toilet seat and shit. You know, the landlord controls the the heat and it was cold as fuck, wet all the time, raining. So, um we ain't had no dough. We were surviving off of like French fries and shit. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, you know, emotions was running high. So like <laughs> yeah. during that point in time, like we hit a little rough patch and shit. But again, like I was saying earlier, we had to Move past that shit quickly. It's just we 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 brothers in this, and and we need each other. You know what I'm saying? Like without without him, I'm just a voice without without a beat. Without and without me, he's just a beat with, with without a voice. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's a bunch of people that can step up. I got there are other drummers in the roots, but you know what I mean it's only one Quest Love, and I feel like he feels like I'm. You know, it's only one Black Thought. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? At, at the end of the day, I feel like we both we came up together and we we've, we've risen to be you know at the top of of our respective games. Mm-hmm. You know? 
Yo, you know when you really like I always had you in my top rappers, you know, but um when Jimmy Fallon first started, I remember like just I watched the news a lot, so I remember they was like saying his show wasn't gonna last and shit. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, will it get another season and all that yeah. shit? And I remember y'all starting the show and then you would go in and start rapping and shit. And I was like, this motherfucker is really nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was it. That's when I knew. I was like, this motherfucker Black Thought is really nice. Black Thought, man. You worked a big pun. Absolutely. On one of the most firest records. You know, I remember playing that fucking record. I was in aviation high school in, um, in Queens, and I used to play that record, like, the, from the three train to the seven train on the school. Yeah, super, super lyrical. What was it like working with Big Pun on Super Lyrical? I mean, it was it was crazy, man. You know, Pun. Whenever he did he did press, they asked him like who was top MCs, who was favorite. He would always name me. You know what I'm saying? So um, I kind of sought him out, like on like yo, good looking, like thanks for like the the the, the name drop. And um, you know, he would always like yo, Black Thought. That's my favorite MC because he like we cut from the same cloth. He like, yo, I could tell you came up on that Rock Kim, Big Daddy Kane, you know what I mean, extra heavy on the G rap, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's certain patterns that, you know, like the way I play with words, if it's, you know, certain shit that wasn't even supposed to be pronounced that way, I will bend it <laughs> to make it, you know what I'm saying? That's like, why you be making niggas wanna cry. Yeah, so um I'm telling you, I'm man. Sabi wanna cry, son. It's <laughs> in the crib almost crying. I was like, holy shit, my nigga. Because nah, niggas don't do it Like it's like It, it ain't me? even like It ain't even like To the point where it's like Niggas don't do it It's like Nobody almost You know what I mean yeah. It's to that point it's, it's, Where it's, it's like It's, lost, it's so lost, slim art form Yeah Yeah it's mad law yeah. So I'm forgetting This shit exists So when I hear it again I'm like Oh Shit Like That shit is like Seeing your uncle that died there. You know yeah, what I mean? Your uncle pop up the dot on you like, oh shit, what you doing here? You know what I mean? So that's yeah. what that shit was for me. Like that shit fucked me up. Like I yeah. actually had to rinse myself of the new young niggas I was listening to. Cause I was like, you know, I can't fuck with y'all niggas this week because yeah. I gotta go back to what I know. You know what I mean? Hey man. Yeah, so pun, um, you know, it was a mutual respect. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like I, he was definitely, you know, one of the nicest at the time. And um, I definitely rock with the way his wordplay, too. You know, so um, when we decided to do the joint, I mean, he just reached out. Like, when we lived in London, I used to talk to him on the phone all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, when I, like, I'm coming back. When I come back, like, it's on. And the, the time when we when we came back from uh, overseas, it just happened to coincide with, you know, when he was working on his record. And he's like, yo, I got this joint. You know, like, it, I don't want nobody else on. I won't accept nobody else on it but you. Mm. You know what I mean? So I came through and I went right to Battery Studios and jumped on that shit. And um, we did it. It was uh, it was supposed to be a verse for a verse, you know, because we was also working on the Roots album at the time. And, um, you know, Scott Storch had did this beat. Like, it was a, a beat that he used to play whenever we had a jam session. But we decided to make a record out of it. And it became the song Adrenaline. Mm. So, um... You know, I had adrenaline and shit, and, and Pum was supposed to jump on adrenaline. So, you know, we was in the studio, uh, and the, the night that uh, he was on his way to the studio to do it, he wound up getting picked up. He got locked up in front of the tunnel and shit on some scout floor, some crazy shit with his car. 
know what I'm saying? But he wound up getting picked up. And um, we had to have the record done that weekend. It was like, you know, one of those label deadlines and shit that we didn't submit the record by this date. Then it was going to come out later. And we had already dealt with, you know, albums getting pushed back and pushed back. So I didn't want that with. I think this album was uh, Things Fall Apart. Mm. It was either Things Fall Apart or Illadelph Half-Life. But um, I think it was Things Fall Apart. So, yeah, we wanted to make sure the record came out Things on time. Fall apart. You know what I mean? So um, we, we wound up throwing beans on that joint. It was like, yo. Let's just, you know what I mean, put Beans on that shit in Pun's place. Because, you know, he Beans had this verse that he'd been, you know, he would spit at all the bars. And it was like a legendary, you know, Philly street anthem. But it was just a local thing, you know what I mean, everybody. So um, we got Beans to spit this verse, you know, one of our favorite Beans verses. And, um, you know, the the rest is history. Like, that was his first record. It was He wound up on Adrenaline because uh, because Pun, Pun got knocked and shit. That's crazy. You know? Today's episode of Tax Season is brought to you by Bevel. Bevel is dermatologist approved and proven to reduce and prevent razor bumps, discoloration, and irritation. It's the reason 9 out of 10 customers continue comeback Bevel month after month. It's the first and only shaving system designed for coarse, curly hair, and sensitive skin. Bevel is designed from the ground up to give you a smooth, bump-free shave. How? The bevel razor is used a single blade which cuts hair above the skin, not beneath, so you can avoid all those painful ingrown hairs. When you order your bevel and the end shaving system, look forward to receiving a pre-shave oil, badger brush, safety razors, blades, shaving cream, and a cool and restoring balm. Sounds like a cool Christmas gift, right? So get the shit right now. Go to getbevel.com slash tax season to order your bevel today and get that first month for free. That's G-E-T-B-E-V-E-L dot com slash tax season to get your first month bevel subscription for free. Go to G-E-T-B-E-V-E-L dot com slash tax season. Stop playing and be safe, though, you bumpy skin motherfucker. You on an HBO show called The Deuce. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. I'm on this joint, The Deuce. It's a... Created by David Simon and, you know, uh, all the people that created The Wire. Um, you know what I'm saying? George Pelicanos and them. And um, it's it's coming out uh, at the top of the year in January. It's a, Actually, a lot of people from The Wire is in that shit. Um, yeah. But it's about 42nd Street in, in the early 70s, like 1971, 72. Um, nah, that got to like be exciting. Pimps and hoes. Because that's before Disney. Yeah, definitely. It's like when it was still, you know. The Deuce. It was like CD, and it's about the onset of uh, of the adult film industry and the beginning of AIDS, HIV, and all that Holy shit. Holy shit! So yeah, I play. Um, I always thought HIV started on Forty Second Street. Yeah, well, yeah, you got you got watch the Deuce, man. It's crazy. I, I play a character named Reggie on that joint too. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I guess if the first season is 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 eight episodes. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm in damn near all every episode, so it's it's some fly shit to check out. It was um it was dope to be able to do it. You know what I'm saying? I definitely enjoy the acting shit. And uh yeah. Is Reggie a pimp? Um, I mean he's a gentleman of leisure. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's a gentleman of leisure. Yeah. Out, you know what I'm saying? Reggie Love from up above. Reggie um, Love. Yeah, hey, I'm, I'm just a nigga named Reggie Love. Yeah, yeah, hey, nigga with love and his name is dangerous, yeah, except Rico yeah. Love. Shout out to Rico Love. <laughs> yeah, fucking um, meth is in that joint. A word? Yeah, yeah, he kills it in there, too. Yeah, um, it's some dope shit. So, yeah, check for that, and you know, just make sure y'all, y'all cop that. Well, we number one on iTunes right now. 
uh, with the with the Hamilton mixtape album. So you know the the love and support is definitely appreciated, and you know let's I hope it continues. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm not one for shameless self promotion. You know what I mean? Nah, nothing wrong with promoting your product. Yeah, yeah. Nothing wrong with that. You gotta you gotta promote what you're selling, you know what I mean? How it's gonna sell. You know what I mean? And then you you want more quiet motherfuckers in the back that don't wanna you know, don't wanna take no pictures. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to get out of that though. But yeah, the deuce. The deuce, you know what I'm saying? Fuck with me. Hold on, y'all. I had to take a sip of deuce. <laughs> no life's about respecting your liver at all. Yo, times. what is this, man? What like what do this shit mean? Deuce, like what is that? I don't know what Duce means. Yeah, you call it Duce because nigga Duce get you fucked up. It's from France. <laughs> well, you know, all cognac is from France because well, cognac France. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, but yeah, it's this shit is um is it's a VSOP. You know, it's very smooth, and um, I give this to the ladies <laughs> when I meet them. You know what I mean? Because they might be into all the fruity drinks and shit and margaritas. I'd be like, listen, take a little bit of Duce. Throw one cube in it because you're probably not used to warm liquor. Yeah. But, yeah. um, you get used to it. And then next thing I know, they start clipping my toenails. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, man. Yo, man, I'm here with Black Thought. I'm mad excited on some real shit. You know I don't be excited for too many people, my nigga. Mm. About seven, maybe nine people in the world. I don't know. Ain't ain't too many niggas, you know what I mean? I don't like too many niggas. Y'all know that shit, you know what I mean? For me to say I like a nigga is more than liking a nigga, you know what I mean? Because I don't like niggas. I'm KKK most days. Hey, but um, <laughs> you, you and me both. You and me both, man. I'm, I'm the same way. I'm a little KKK and Walmart. Yeah, I never forget. I went to go visit my grandmoms in Eatonton, Georgia, years ago. She was in at Malachi York camp. Oh wow! My grandmother and um, I went to the. I was sick and I went to Walmart and KKK was in Walmart. Wow! Just macking. I'm a young wow. Brooklyn nigga to be out here terrorizing the streets. Yeah. And I see KKK and then that's how I knew. That I was going to be a black revolutionist someday. And look, I'm not a black revolutionist yet. I'm telling y'all what I'm going to be. So I was sitting there. I said, what the fuck is this? Like, I'm like a gangbanger. You know what I mean? I'm like, how am I going to see KKK and get pussy? You know what I mean? And it was like one of the weirdest moments of my life because I had got so emotional that I yeah. almost cried, but it wasn't a cry from fear. You know what yeah, I mean? It was yeah. a cry like, I think I'm pussy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it was one of the weirdest feelings, man. Um, seeing KKK, the dudes had their hoods up, so you could see their face. So the hood was still on their head. Wow. Like at the top of their head, like this, but they was, they had KKK outfits on, and yeah. they was just shopping. And I was like, this is fucking crazy. And I remember at that point, I started judging country niggas differently. Because I was like, these niggas don't walk around New York like this. Like, yeah, yeah, they yeah. might be KKK, but he got a suit on, and we yeah, just don't exactly. know how he feel. Yeah, but exactly. Anyway, I just had to get that out. Y'all know when I'm on my um, alcohol, I start ranting and shit. No, I feel you, bro. But, um, <laughs> Scott Storch. Yeah. He was a, um, a part of the... Um, Roots. Yeah, Did you yeah. sell them the cocaine? <laughs> nah, man. <laughs> nah, Scott went down in Miami, man, and you know. Oh, Miami would do it. That's cocaine central. 
But um, yeah, Scott, he uh, he when we the, when we the first decided to to implement keyboards into the band, he was the first keyboardist that we rock with. Mm-hmm. You know, he um, he used to hang around at at the studio that we recorded our demo in. Our demo, uh, people called it our first album, but it was it's our demo, mm. and it's called Organics. And when we was working on Organics, Scott used to hang around that studio because uh, the dude, this Italian dude named Otto Capobianco, that used to own the studio, he was like a stoner. He used to grow herbs, sell herbs, do all types of shit. And, you know, Scott was, you know, a, 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 a pothead in the making. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so he would come around, see if he could play p- keyboard on anything, play piano on anything, and, you know, you could pay him in weed type thing. So, um, you know, he had a tremendous amount of soul, you know. And um, my manager, Rich, uh, Rich Nichols, he, he passed away a couple of years ago. But um, before Rich was rock- rocking with the Roots, uh, Scott used to stay with him for a little, for a little while. And Rich lived on Harlan Street in the, in West Philly, mm-hmm. which is like a notoriously violent, like just a super hood block for a white boy. I mean, for anybody, you know what I'm saying? So I gave Scott a little bit of respect just, you know, like from the rip for, you know, like surviving Harlan Street and shit and like being, you know, a, a Jewish kid. But um, people respected, always respected Scott because he was dope. It's like, you know, once he get behind the piano, he was like fucking, you know, Billy Preston or some shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Man. Um. When Scott, when Scott drifted off, because he at some point, you know, he left the roots, right? He yeah. went to what was he? What with Dr. Dre? Yeah. Well, Scott, he um. Before before he even you know left the group, he had a record deal on uh, on Rough House Records, Rough House Columbia. Mm-hmm. At the time, Rough House they had Nas, they had Cypress Hill, they had the Fugees, and they had this group called the Goats mm-hmm. and shit. And the Goats was a, a, a hip hop band, so they had two hip hop bands. They had the Goats, which was like their main you know they put a lot behind the Goats and the Fugees, who they was kind of trying to mold in the shape of you know, being the goats, but with a girl, you know? And um, Scott had a group with this dude named Cam. Like, they used to do some slick R&B shit, two white boys doing, like, that John B. type of music. And um, he ain't think we was going to get a deal. So he always orchestrated his shit like, you know, I'm in the roots, but but I, I'm yeah, just in case. Yeah, yeah, so we had that to fall back on. And then when we got popping, we got our deal and everything, um, you know, his shit was separate, you know? Um, and he was running with my man Derek Jackson, who used to work at Def Jam, who, you know, he's a legend in the game. And he also helped orchestrate our deal. Um, Derek Jackson and uh, Francesca Spiro, you know what I'm saying? You know, rest in power. She, um, you know, they got us our deal at uh, at Geffen. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? First we was going to fuck with Def Jam. Then we was going to fuck with Mercury. We wound up signing with Geffen just because that's where, you know, the most bread was at, at the time. But um, Derek, you know, he he is from L.A., and he wound up, you know, being able to shop some, uh, uh, shop some of Scott Beats. And, you know, Dre, um, he always looking for, you know, who the next up-and-coming cat to kind of, you know, I ain't going to say, I mean, he looking for somebody to, to influence him, you know what I mean? Yeah. The, yeah so he could keep, that's how he keep his ear to the street. He always, you know, pick up, some, some people wind up blowing, a la, you know, Eminem or, you know, fucking Scott Storch or Kendrick. And then there's people that, you know, you never hear 
that had a deal with Dre, like fucking the Last Emperor, or no, I I know like three he, people that yeah, had a deal man. with Dre. Yeah, so yeah. that being said, you know Scott, you know he was on, he was got a deal with Dre, and he was doing this production thing, and Dre had him playing on a bunch of shit, and uh, you know the shit was coming out, and he was getting to hear his records on the radio, and he was like, you know, fuck the dude, some selling beats, and he was like, he went down there to Miami, and once he did the Fat Joe joint. It was on. He did lean back beat and shit. <laughs> that shit was fuck. crazy. I mean, lean right? back is a legendary historical. I mean, I don't think any hip hop record is. That's the most played hip hop record in history. I think right now. Lean you know back? what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So you know, you think he, more than um, Fifty Cent in the club? Absolutely. Mm. But that's that's what that's got too and shit. Oh, you shit. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So um, he 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 went down Miami, started rocking with everybody. He was doing beats for Beyonce. You know what I'm saying? He had my man EST from Three Times Dope popping. EST mm-hmm. won ASCAP Writer of the Year for writing all these Beyonce songs and shit. And you know Scott was working with you know uh, 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 Christina Aguilera, and he was you know dating Paris Hilton and fucking with Lil Kim and. Kim Kardashian, Scott was in that circle before, you know, any of that shit was fly. Yeah, before it was a circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, um, you know, like that being said, I couldn't knock it. It was like, yo, fuck it. Like, you know what I mean? Get it how you live because, you know, we had a deal and we were still, like, you know, doing our thing. I would go down to Miami at the top of every year and, you know, fuck with Scott in, like, January and get a couple beats from him and shit, like, for whatever Roots project we was working on. But Mm -hmm. he was down there living, fucking, you know, on boats and... I mean, Marvel Cribs and all of that shit. He was the first person I knew that I knew with any of that shit. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it it is what it is. You know what I mean? I take that shit as as, as a word, you know, from the wise, a word to the wise, just about money management and about, you know, just knowing when to quit. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know. He say that to say this, just say no. I mean, at at some point. Depending on what you're doing. You That's never know what party you end up in. You yeah. got to take a line in the bathroom, yo. Yeah. I'm not telling you not to get high in these mansions yeah. Yeah. around all these fake either. titties. I'm not telling you that, that but either. I'm saying don't do it. I'm saying, I'm, I'm, I'm saying do you, but, you know, learn a lesson from, you know, people that had 40, 50 M's, Hell you know yeah. what I'm saying, and, and lost it, you know. And don't ever trust a nigga that lost 40 million or trust them. <laughs> I'm not telling you not to trust the nigga, <laughs> but trust him. Be safe, dog. <laughs> Be safe, dog. <laughs> yeah. That definitely deserved to be safe, though, man. Seriously. Yo, you worked with Erica Badu. How does she smell? <laughs> Yo. I just got this. You know, I never met her, so I got this. You ever, you know, you like... She smell like, you know, I feel like she might smell like lilac or something. Yo, Erica smell mad good, yo. She, uh, <laughs> this is crazy hard <laughs> new. Yeah, I don't, she smell like um, like amber or some shit. You know wow. what I'm saying? Yeah, she smell like, you know, the, the, the finest, you know, minerals of, of the earth. 
Holy shit. Where do niggas find these minerals? This is the problem with the black community. Y'all niggas not sharing the mineral connects. Y'all only want to share the cocaine connects. They all name Juan. They all last names end with an easy. Rodriguez, Hernandez, Fernandez, <laughs> Sanchez. So don't trust the nigga with the last name easy. That's who Donald Trump was talking about. <laughs> Shout out to all the Mexicans, man. I love y'all, man. Ain't nobody mowed a lawn like y'all since lawns been mowed, and I need y'all to know that. And this is my problem with white America and white supremacy, beloved. They trying to keep y'all out from doing what y'all niggas was made to do. Yo, they forgetting fool. that y'all made the, the pyramids. <laughs> they forgetting the Aztecs and the Incas. Look, these niggas yeah. are disrespectful. I'm here for y'all. Shout out to all my people in North Dakota right now. My man B. West out there who a cameraman for Fox News Network. Even though he's Native American, he works at Fox News Network taping, but we not going to, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always got to fuck with my nigga. Shout out to B. West out there. I don't know if he's still in North Dakota. He's crazy. He's a motherfucker. He probably drove there from New York. But, um... Shout out to him. Yo, what ain't no air in this room? It's hot as shit in here. I don't know. Is it the yeah, dude say? Be, yeah. Tell him to turn the air man. up in here before Black Thought dies. He's used to luxurious <laughs> air condition at Jimmy Fallon's show. Them niggas is um doing well over there. Oh, Yo, man, how the hell did the Jimmy Fallon show come to fruition? How did the roots get there? We um. We used to do music for. Uh, I'm sorry. We used to do music for uh, for the Dave Chappelle show. I'm saying that's my yeah, man's, man. and um, you know he he always like rocked with with the Roots and Quali and most. And I think it, it started from the friendship between him and Quali, mm. and um, you know it it turned into him you know just being cool with all of us. You know at the time it was a movement. It was Dead Prez, and you know it was just a bunch of people. Shout out to Dead yeah, Prez. like all all of his favorite artists. Um, so that's who you saw as the musical guests on the Chappelle show. And whenever they would do bits, they needed music for all of that shit, all the little funny sketches. So they would hit us up. And um, Neil Brennan, who's the co-creator of Chappelle's show. Shout out to Neil. Um, when uh, Jimmy was entertaining the idea of, of starting the, the, as the host for Late Night, um, he was also playing with the, the idea of having Neil as his head writer. Mm. And, you know, for whatever, I don't know, like, why it didn't work out, but Neil wasn't with, you know, the deal never went through. He never became the head writer. He was like, nah, I'm good and shit. I think he was still, you know, recuperating, you know, trying to bounce back from, you know, mm. yeah, from show. the fallout with Dave. So uh, he wasn't trying to make that move at the time. But he said, Joe, you know, to, uh, to do your music, you know, would it be fly? You should try to get the roots. But he said that shit, um, like, as a joke. He said that shit in jest. Mm. And, you know, Jimmy was a huge music fan. He was a huge Roots fan. And you know, we were huge uh, Saturday Night Live fans, you know what I mean? Like, comedy nerds, knowing, you know, every episode, every person. Like, especially Quest, you know. Because um, he, he came up a little bit more sheltered than I did. Mm. In that he wasn't really out there in the street like that. So he just watched mad TV. So he saw, like, every episode of Soul Train, every episode of Saturday Night Live growing up. And, um, you know, when the opportunity presented itself to be associated with anybody that was associated with SNL in that way, it was like, yo, we kind of jumped at it. I mean, not instantaneously, but we was, you know, we was with it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It, it, it happened at a time, like in 08, the game was changing. You know what I'm saying? Like the way people uh, received their music was changing. 
A lot of CD, C, CDs were selling less, you know what I'm saying? Concert tickets were selling less. And we was a band that lived on the road. We would be on the road some years, 300 days out the year. God we damn. on the road. So, um, yeah, you know, just like really dealing with the reality of all this shit is, is, is on some different shit now. You know what I'm saying? You sell, you know, a couple hundred thousand records and it's like, yo, you went platinum. You know, um, we really had to just reevaluate that situation, and it it couldn't have been a more perfect time for us to you know to venture out into into you know just reinvention. You know what I mean? So it was like, yo, let's just reintroduce ourselves to uh, you know to Middle America in, in in a different way. You know, what I mean, let's reach some of these you know fans that we haven't been able to to, to reach thus far in our career. So Jimmy, he started popping up at, at shows. Man, we did uh did this one gig out at UCLA. And, you know, Jimmy came out there, him and his wife, and, you know, was like, yo, yeah, yo, I'm thinking about doing this show. Would you guys be down? And, you know, we took that shit halfway, half-hearted, you know, seriously. And then he showed up at, like, five, six more shows. We'd be, sometimes we show up at the venue, Jimmy is already in our dressing room. Mm. You know what I mean? And just being, you know, he's a, he's a mm. likable motherfucker. You know what I mean? He, uh... You know, he he likes to have a drink, and he's always he's always on, so yeah. he's always being funny. Yeah, and his, yeah. <laughs> his, his his humor, his humor, you know, behind the scenes and off camera, is you know was a lot more on par with you know our humor. You know what I'm saying? Like when the camera's on, it's a lot of shit that he can't say and do. But you know, just being funny in real life, he's just a funny dude. Now I I, I always like Jimmy Kimmel. I don't know fucking why, but. For for some fucking reason, like I don't know, I could never explain it. I always like Jimmy Kimmel too, but we we work with Jimmy Fallon. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But yeah, oh but, yeah, why the fuck I said? Wait up, I'm bugging. Jimmy Kimmel is the skinny nigga. Jimmy Kimmel used to be fat, <laughs> shit, right? but look, we um yo after we saw that he was serious, mm-hmm. like we took that shit really seriously, and you know we like you know figured out. We did the pros and cons, and it was like, yo, like, this, this is a this is a smart move. It's some shit that you know, like niggas wasn't thinking about doing. Niggas didn't have the opportunity to, to do mm-hmm. at that time, so you know, we kind of we we took it and ran with it, and we just the the whole idea like and the, the show blew up. Yeah, the show definitely blew up, and the idea was, um, you know, it was a chance for us to balance out what we were doing musically. I mean, our music was getting more and more serious and more and more conceptual and making more and more of a, a social commentary. And, you know, that's not what sells records. You know what I mean? So it was a chance for us to go all the way full on, you know, arts. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like totally artistic with the music because we had, you know, a steady check from, from the show to fall back on. So that's when we started, you know, doing albums like, uh, uh, you know, um, um, how how I got over and, and undone and, and then you shoot your cousin and stuff like that. That's when uh, I feel like when the roots of music really got super deep, um, you know, and we we started you know dealing with those heavy concepts was once we started you know rocking with Jimmy, you know. Mm. Indeed. So we got Black Door from the roots, yo. Be safe though. Let me pull a little bit more Duce. You know I like to get drunk towards the end of my episodes. Yo, you know the white people really pay attention to everything. Nigga like, yeah, I knew at this point that you had about four drinks. (laughs) (laughs) White people, stop observing me, man. I'm sick of y'all. Y'all make all the statistics. (laughs) Y'all be observing my drink patterns, and I don't like that. You worked with Spike Lee on the Bamboozle. Mm -hmm. How was that? Um, it was airy, 
it was uh you know it was definitely um I don't know, man. It was a, it was a, a little stressful to be doing. I didn't know how it was going to be received. Mm. Um, you know, to, there's a lot of a lot of people in that in that film in blackface, and um, I mean, I definitely understood the artistic statement that Spike was trying to make. And you know, I, I'd always been a Spike Lee fan, and then once you know we I, I, we started interacting, and I knew him as a person. Like I fuck with Spike. I just fuck with Spike. Mm-hmm. So. There's no other, there's no director that I would have done that for, but I felt like um, we put a certain amount of trust in Spike and, and, and like where he set the bar and like where his brand was. So, you know, we, we, we did it. We rocked out, you know what I'm saying? Blackface, ball and chain and all that you know, shit. No, that, that movie, that movie scared me when I was younger. I think that was the idea, though. I it think- It really did. It was... It was crazy. It was only like two, three movies that scared me when I was younger, and Ben Boozle was one of them. Ben Boozle, um, Sugar Hill, mm. um, and it was one more movie. I can't remember, but Ben Boozle and Sugar Hill was two of them. I never forget. Like I, I couldn't get through Ben Boozle for some reason. That was a real joint. That was a moment, man. And you know, I mean, if I had to do, if I had it to do over, I probably would do it again. Mm-hmm. Just cause you know, what I'm saying, um, I mean, I fuck with who I fuck with. You know, what I'm saying. So I was rocking with Spike. I wouldn't have done it for Quentin Tarantino. I wouldn't mm-hmm. have done it for Martin Scorsese or Francis Ford Coppola. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But you know, Spike, Spike is Spike, man. It was a Forty Acres and a Mule production. It was a Spike Lee joint, and a, you yeah. know, I wanted to be able to say that you know I, I was a part of that shit. So, you know, I mean, I wrote it out. I caught some flack from Nas about being in that movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, it was it was a point in time when Nas was like he was going through a bunch of shit. You know what I mean? He lost his mom, and you know, he was dealing with whatever he was dealing with in life, and he was coming for a lot of people. You know what I'm saying? And, and one of the people that he came at was, I don't know if it was me personally or if it was just The Roots, you know what I'm saying? He yeah. came at The Roots for being, you know, primarily for being a part of that of that production and shit. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And, um, you know, I mean, it was it, it was what it was. I, w- I would do that shit again. That shit is so bugged out because I remember just, I still remember the fucking, the poster, the cover of that shit. Like, yeah. that shit yeah. is like a staple in my brain for some reason because at that point I really I think I was still a kid yeah. and fully learning about everything mm. so I think when that hit me I was it was like so weird I was like what the fuck is this like we was doing this you know what I mean I didn't understand it was at a point of of just you know you just learn some new shit yeah. like yeah. I, I always I always tell girls I'd be like yo the first time I ever Bust a nut having sex, it hurt. You know what I mean? Like as good as it feel now, I think it hurt the first day. Yeah. I I remember it. I was like, what the fuck is this? Like <laughs> But um shout out to all the good women that um helped me out when I was going to town. <laughs> yeah. You know I'm stupid, man. Oh man, but um Black Thought, the ghostwriter. Mm. How many people can you say you've um, pinned for? Um, I mean, I've pinned for a lot of people. You know what I'm saying? How many people have I, I placed records with that I wrote? Mm-hmm. I can't really say. You know what I'm saying? I can't really say. I mean, I, I, I definitely know 
I've had some experiences where, uh, you know, I've I've tried to write for people. I tried to, you know, I wrote shit for Dre. I wrote shit for Diddy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But it never saw the light of day. You know what I'm saying? I feel like it's like what I do is weird, man. What, what I do is is so personal that you know I mean it's intimate in in in, in a, a a way where it's not applicable to to anybody else. Mm-hmm. So if I write some shit for somebody, it's not what they're looking for because they they don't want you to be able to tell that I wrote it or that it was ghostwritten, you know what I mean? And it's, it's hard for me to separate myself from my art in that way. So whenever, I mean, I've tried to write for a bunch of people, but it's not, you know, really my forte. Mm. I mean, you, you know who's a dope ghostwriter? My man Skills. Like Skills, or I guess people call him Mad Skills. Yeah, yeah, I heard. He, um, he's a he's a brilliant ghostwriter because he embodies the person that he's writing for. Mm-hmm. You know I'm saying? I've never really been able to, to, to flow like that. I could do dope impressions of people vocally, but um, like the chick to write from somebody else's perspective, like you know, no matter who I write for, it's gonna sound like some black thought shit. I think. What was it like working with um, working with Jay Z? Um, I mean, it's dope, man. It was, it was, you know, it was that was a moment in time, man. Like you know, it, it was some real fly shit to be working with Jay Z. Jay Z signed us to Def Jam, um, you know, like that was the shit. You know what I'm saying, um, but at the same time. I mean, I've always been conscious of, like, people who want to rock with the band and don't want me to spit with them. You know what I mean? It's like, not that they trying to steal my band or some shit, you know, but, I mean, I just, I've always just been conscious of, like, the swagger jack, mm. you know, and... I mean, I do the knowledge of certain shit, you know what I mean? Just like I was saying about the Dre shit, sometimes people want to align themselves with something that's, that's you know, with the heat. trending. Yeah, you know what I mean? Just so they could, you know, take take from it and then, you know, toss the, you know, toss the, the whatever's left to the, to the side. So it was always, a, a I was leery in that relationship the whole time mm-hmm. from, you know, from uh, the MTV Unplugged all the way, you know, through the whole him signing us and all of that, um, just because I didn't want him to, you know, to absorb what it was that, that we was doing. You know what I'm saying? It was a lot of, a lot of people from Philly, especially at the time, you know, that whole state prop shit and the whole Rockefeller at that time. It was all, you know, my Philly young boys who, um, I mean, where, where are they now? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I've always just been conscious of, like, you know, if I give you this right now, you know what I mean, what, like, what is it going to mean for me in the future? Mm-hmm. And, you know what I'm saying, um, are you going to keep it 100? You know, you, you can't trust everybody and shit. But, I mean, I'm a huge Jay-Z fan. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying, and um, yeah, it was it's, it was it's all, it was great to work with him, and I, hopefully we'll work together again. It, it's always great to work with Jay Z. We was the first hip hop band to play at Lincoln Center. Uh, you know, I brought out Jay Z, Coogee Rap. Mm. You know what I'm saying a couple other people, but you know, we've always um, when we played at uh, Radio City Music Hall, brought out Jay Z, brought out Nas. You know what I'm saying. I've always um, you know. Pay homage and, and been respectful in that way. You know what I'm saying? Can he's, we get a Jay Z and Black Thought track? Man, I mean, I would love you know, I would love that. I, I I would be with that. But you know, I'll speak that in yeah, the fruition. Yeah, speak it in the fruition. All these hip hop blogs that want to blog all this dumb shit. Let's let's will, let's let's will it will it to be. Why don't you blog the Black Thought and Jay Z need a track? You understand? Because y'all want to blog all the cornball shit talking about. Who baby mother taking them for motherfucking child support? Like that's some new mm. shit. Mm. Like that ain't new. 
Black Thought and Jay Z track would be new. You understand what I'm saying? Like, mm, so, mm. Let's get some new shit going. Tri- blog about some real shit. I'm sick of you niggas. And that's another thing. You hip hop blogs is corny. <laughs> seriously, like most of y'all, like seriously, especially the magazines that's trying to conform into the new era of social media. Y'all look ridiculous like seriously some of this shit y'all write because you know I, I write shit just debate some of this shit i write sometimes i don't even feel i just be trying to fill other people out you know yeah, what i mean yeah. just to see what they mind i set people up a lot of times to reveal their true feelings no, i feel you I'm, I'm 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 good with that too i'm i'm i'm, I'm a good troller yeah, <laughs> yeah. i am a troll oh yeah. shit i yeah. am damn yeah. you got me yeah, y'all got me. But just like I said, a lot of the blogs, you know, y'all like to put out certain shit that, like, you know, for clickbait. I understand you got to feed your family. Mm. You know what I mean? But it's like, you know, post the shit, too, that don't got nothing to do with that, that, that means something to somebody. You know what I mean? The thing is, is that most of y'all got weird shit on your porn search. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I don't know where it shit is, but I'm going to say that's what I that's what I think going on in your porn search. By the way, y'all be acting. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not the smartest nigga. I'm just a podcaster. But um, I, I get feelings when I see certain shit. I'm like, what was that about? You know what I mean? Like, I be so confused. But, you know, God bless. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm dumb. You know what I mean? I'm just a podcaster that be drinking alcohol, talking shit on a mic. So don't take nothing yeah. I say serious. But I get weird feelings about you dudes. Because, you know, like me personally, I'm a fan before anything. I always tell people that. And I always speak from a fan perspective. A lot of the people that I talk about the most, it's because I'm a fan of them. It's not because I hate them. And, any, any, you know, that's where, you know, hate is a thin line to hate and love. Mm. Motherfucker hate some shit Like I hated some shit Before on the radio And loved it Six months later Because of radio programming Shout yeah, out to programming yeah, yeah. You know what I mean They don't call it programming For nothing man Oh yeah <laughs> You know people was asking me One day they was like Yo man I hated that record And you kept tweeting it And I liked it I said yeah that's programming that's programming I knew it was okay I liked it I kept tweeting it And then you eventually kept listening he was like oh shit this shit is okay mm. it's programming you know what i mean but that's what i'd be doing so if i programmed you shout out to you but you know i just don't know we here with motherfucking black thought i'm on drugs as usual <laughs> you know black thought is clean and um he looked like he about 27 man shit but he 56 <laughs> Jay-Z just turned 59 um, two days ago. Shout out to Jay-Z, man. Happy birthday. We're sipping Duce as we speak. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Happy belated. Drop that sneaky album you've been recording in the mountains. Jay-Z recording Aspen somewhere. Uh (laughs) Where he aligns his killers for Kanye. um, (laughs) He he, he out in Monaco and it's still... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yo, this nigga Black Thought this has traveled the world. You can't let me explain something to you niggas. Don't ever trust no black ass nigga with a bed <laughs> that traveled the world around your girl. <laughs> Don't. I'm telling you, my nigga. I was around one of these niggas before. It wasn't good. 
everybody. I was like, what the fuck? These yo, niggas are too shit, shot. man. <laughs> nah, yeah, yo. Me and my me and my man Jay Rue, man, we used to we used to travel all over, yo. Mm-hmm. It's like, yo, we was like, yo, we brothers. Which Jay Rue? Jay Rue damage. The damager? Yeah, oh yeah, man, yeah, when the East nigga. is in the house, oh yeah, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Danger. Shout out to East New York. Y'all know I'm the real nigga from East New York. Probably yeah. the only real nigga left from East New York. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Tut, Tuquan, um, all in the feds, all the East New York legends. You know what I mean? Shout out to all the niggas from the Bamas that's still in jail for selling um three dimes of crack and got 13 years. Mm-hmm. Um, we proud of you. Um, shout out to all the laws that's keeping us there. You know what I mean? How do you feel about this new president? Um, the president elect. I yeah, mean, president you know, elect. man, look. I mean, I feel real. I, I'm fucked up. I'm fucked up behind that. But you know, um, I think what what it boils down to is, you know, it's 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 it's, it's a wake up call. It should be a wake up call. You know, to 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 get active and 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 mm. you know to to try and you know maintain what little control we have left. You know, as a society, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Um, because it's a lot of people that, that you know, that talk a good game and some whole bunch of armchair activists, you know, who talk that shit and, and they're they not about that life when it's time to get out, you know, to the polls. Mm-hmm. It's people that's mad, you know, Solange ain't, ain't get a Grammy nomination. Mm-hmm. Like you know me. What I'm yeah, I'm mad, like, Yo, you nigga. Know, but I'm it, one of them. But Why Solange ain't get a Grammy nomination, Because Because people who, you know... Uh, would influence the the vote. They they don't vote. It, mm-hmm. it comes down to voting. You know what I mean? Who was so, the voters? All you internet fucking you, y'all niggas find out everything else. Yeah, you know people, who got people, STDs? People be having them. You know the the ballots from the academy, and they they, they don't you know they don't utilize that power. So mm-hmm. you, you 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 could be mad, but then it's like you can't be mad. But yeah, I'm definitely I'm fucked up, man. Just about you know uh, what it's gonna mean for us moving forward. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like shit is about to, you know, it's about to get crazy. It's about to be crazy in a way that a lot of these young cats can't remember it being because you know they was like babies and shit. All they've mm-hmm. known for the past you know two administrations is Obama. Before that, you know what I mean? Um, but I think a, what he do is gonna affect us later. I mean, it's gonna, I think it's, it's gonna, gonna be a long term effect with this dude because he don't even yeah, know what the fuck he doing. I think it's gonna affect us. It's gonna he got Ben this, uh, Carson immediately and, and later. You know what I'm saying? It's just about mm-hmm. to be Ronald Reagan on steroids. You know what I'm saying? So, Damn. You know. We fucked up. Y'all niggas yeah. better go get your crack yeah. batches together. I keep telling y'all, go to the white community, sell as much crack as you possibly can at speeds of Mach 5. No, yeah. <laughs> I'm fucking with y'all, yo. Nah, man. I've, it's, it's shit that I've been telling that? motherfuckers for years, though. Mm-hmm. Like, yo, you know. I mean, now this shit's come to fruition. It is what it is. You know what I'm saying? So, so we got to deal with it. And, and you know, people hustles is, is, is going to change. And, and, you know, motherfuckers is going to lose family, lose friends. And, you know, a lot of stuff that was done in the dark is going to come is gonna come to light just because it's on. It's, it's, it's back on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. Damn. Donald Trump is in office. Shout out to Donald Trump, man. I meant to say this shit a couple episodes ago, but, like, you one of the most inspirational <laughs> niggas. Like, oh, my God. Like, I had to really sit back in the, in, the, in the bed and was like, yo, he's phenomenal, yo. Like, you, if you, it don't matter how much you dislike this dude or hate him, you got to respect 
his movement. You got to respect him going against every grain that you possibly could go against being conservative or American or whatever the fuck you're supposed to be. This nigga was like, no, this is me. He's still tweeting, right? The nigga tweeting right now. Yeah. Go check your timeline. The president of the United of the Free World. Man, is he tweeting. about to he about to implicate some shit where he could tweet and reach everybody in the United States phone. You what? And I heard I heard them talking about that shit today. They talked about it. Uh, you know, and, and and Jimmy talked about it in his monologue. I'm gonna be tight. It's about to be you know George Orwell, 1984. You know, above and beyond. Nah, he shit, about man. to be like, Kim Jong of the Free World. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But you know what? What free world? What free world? What what free world? What free world? Privacy has been lost already. You know, so um, just get ready to lose a lot more shit. And you know, to so it's, it's a lot that we're gonna have to fight for, or or you know, we stand to lose that as well. You know what I mean, there's a whole bunch of liberties. You know what I'm saying civil mm-hmm. liberties that a lot more of that shit is about to be lost. So you know, shout out to 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 real real freedom fighters. Shout out to real you know political prisoners, mm-hmm. and you know to 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 great minds. You know what I'm saying. Shout out to you know black academia. And you know, like to, mm-hmm. to to real life revolutionaries, because um, just like I said, it's, it's back on. It's back on, man. Mm-hmm. Um, man, thank you, man. Um, man, thank you. Thank, free, thank free all, free all you, um, you real niggas. Because I'm, I, I'm seriously, I'm scared of niggas. Niggas are direct messaging me on Instagram, and they keep telling me they real niggas, and they got pistols in their hand. And I'm like, nigga, like, what the fuck you got the gun in your hand for? Nigga, to tell me this shit. I believe you. I believe everybody until proven otherwise. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I feel you on that. Please stop hitting me with your fucking pistols, nigga. That is not going to make me love you. That's not going to make me want to work with you. One nigga say, y'all want to be your intern with a gun in his hand. I said, what the fuck is wrong with you, nigga? (laughs) I'm calling the cops. You going to jail, nigga. I keep telling I'm a civilian now, nigga. You play with me, you get locked up. I'm going to, because I can't, what I'm going to do? What I'm going to do? I need yeah. my revenge in some type of way. I'm going to get you locked the fuck up, nigga. You come over here, boop, 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 three finger dial out. They come like, oh my God, tax called the cops on me. I'm calling the cops. <laughs> I don't got no time for this shit. I'm going to call, I'm going to call some white dude on you. That's gonna I'm put selling. <laughs> handcuffs on you. Yeah, I got to because this the game. Did They played this game with me. I didn't know. I didn't know the dudes was calling the cops and shit. You know what I mean? I was confused and I was misled and miseducated. So I was under the impression that it was like some, some code and shit. You know what I mean? Mm. I was under the impression it was like some street code where like dudes like held it down and nobody called cops on each other. And if they had an issue, they handled it. And then that was not it. That was not the case. So therefore, in order to, because I'm a very vindictive individual when people do dumb shit to me. So I'm like, I I need my revenge. So my revenge is I'm calling the cops on you niggas. Like the bitch that hit me in my DM, she was like, oh, you know, if you want to flip your money. I said, bitch, I'm calling the cops. You know, I'm calling cops on you, bitch. Don't hit me in my fucking DM with your titties out. Talking about, do I want to flip oh, flip six hundred dollars? You going to jail, bitch? Poop poop poop. Nine one one. Yo, it's a bitch out here trying to get niggas to flip money. I don't know what she up to. 
please hit the Better Business Bureau and see if the, if this uh. bitch really um can flip my 500. Because I need my 500 flip, but I don't trust the bitch because the titty's too glossy. But it's nothing personal, man. Yo, I'm very... Oh, nah, man. seriously, y'all got Black Thor here, man. It's one of my favorite MCs, man, on some real shit, y'all. Nah, I appreciate like, you. Like, I'm mad excited to have this nigga here. You know what I mean? It ain't really hit me yet. It's probably going to hit me in three days. I'm going to do mad swings like Boys in the Hood in my living room. <laughs> oh, shit. shit. You know what I mean? I got, I'm a man. I can admit when I'm a fan of people. Nigga Trey. <laughs> Some nigga rolled up on me. Nigga rolled up on me the other day and pressed me. He grabbed my arm and was like, yo, I'm a tax fan. I'm like, yo, thank you, my nigga. I appreciate it. He was like, yo, but I ain't no dick rider, though, you heard? And we kept holding my wrist. I said, my nigga, you better let go of me, my nigga. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> And the nigga kept holding me. He was like, yo, son, I ain't no dick rider. I'm just saying, don't, don't tweet no shit about me. I said, yo, nigga, get the fuck off me, my nigga. With your tight-ass fucking hoodie. The nigga nipples are showing through his hoodie. He ain't gonna grab my wrist like that. I didn't know if it was sexual harassment or not. I didn't know which way I should take to call the cops on this nigga. <laughs> oh, man. Yo, man. Black Thought, man, thank you so much, man. Yo, do you, Real like, shit. have you ever gotten up on stage? Like, you ever think about doing stand-up and shit? People be telling me Yo, all the time man, to do really stand-up, do man. There's so many places in the city that you could just jump on the stage. I'll be like, sitting down, really though. do that shit, yo. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm not a stand-up nigga. You can sit down. <laughs> you can get on I'm stage I'm going to be the first nigga to admit shit, this. Yo. I'm telling you, man, like... <laughs> You shit is funny shit, man. You know nah, I'm be the first nigga to admit I'm not a stand-up nigga. You know what I mean? You niggas is... Uh, everything that y'all with, I'm not with no more. I don't care what it is. You're a stand-up nigga, I'm not a stand-up nigga. You're a gangster. I'm damn sure not a gangster. You you real? I'm not real either. You know what I mean? Because I feel like all this shit should be displayed in actions. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not going to be out here announcing my job everywhere I go. Like, yeah, I'm not nah. going to... You know, I'm not going to walk a Red Lobster, you know, when it's half off and be like, yo, you know I do podcasts, right? Yeah, no. Nah, so I, like I don't that. feel like you should be announcing that you're real every moment. Yeah. The, be whoever you are, my nigga. Like, yeah. I don't care. And nobody cares. I'm going to tell you, man, real, like, real niggas ain't, they not saying, yo, I'm real. Like, are you saying you black every day? Yeah, you, you, you just live your life, man. That's what I be telling you. You know what be happening with niggas, right? Niggas be so fake. They do some real shit one day and be like, nigga, I'm real. Because it's just like a, a white motherfucker, if he put black paint on, he could say he black that day. Mm. You understand? It's some new shit to you. I've been black my whole life. I cannot be talking about I'm black to you niggas every day. I'm black. So I can't sit there and be like, yo, I'm a real nigga. Or I'm this. I, don't, I can only display, you know what I mean, who I am. You can either like my character or not. I can't be out here trying to whatever the real barriers are with you niggas because y'all niggas is bugged the fuck out first of all i seen a nigga i seen a nigga giving his one-year-old baby grape soda wow tell me he real wow that's the end of the show be safe though Thanks again to Viceland for supporting this week's episode of Tax Season. Late Night TV just got darker. 
Jesus Nice and the Kid Mero, you may know them from the Bodegas Boy podcast, have landed their own late night TV show on Viceland. The TV channel from Vice is called Jesus and Mero, weeknights at 11 p.m. No white guys named Jimmy, no A-list celebrities selling their new movie, no scripted jokes, no band, just two guys from the Bronx giving their takes on culture, politics, sports, entertainment, other subjects they don't know anything about. Watching Jesus and Mero on TV on Viceland every Monday through Thursday night at 11 p.m. Go to Viceland.com to find your channel and check out some free episodes. The brand is strong. This episode of Tax Season featuring Tax Stone is produced by Jonathan Mena, executive produced by Chris Morrow, and engineered by none other than Samir Karam.